0: Would you please stand with me, friends, as we read the Lord's word this morning? I'm reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Again, if you will listen to the Lord's word, Colossians three, twelve through 17. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Would you please be seated? Again, our Father, we thank you for your word and pray now your blessing be upon it. We ask for your spirit's presence and you're enabling, your blessing on uh, the word going forward and on this servant. I pray that you would likewise bless your people and give them ears to hear. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause the kingdom of Satan great injury and that you would cause the kingdom of Christ to advance. Again, we thank you for the privilege of having Bibles. We thank you for the privilege of having the word read and preached. And pray now that all of us, would be blessed uh, by your kindness again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are slowly making our way through Colossians 3, and we are going slower (laughs) today as we continue through this this chapter. Uh, As we've come to this, the apostle is concerned with the body of Christ. He is concerned with the church. He is concerned that we function and behave properly and you ask yourself why is this my friends it's because as we've been considering these past few weeks we need each other we need each other I, I went on a bit of a, a rant last week um Speaking about how wyomians are are notorious for their independence, and everyone likes to celebrate their independence, but in the body of Christ, independence is not a good thing. it's not imagine if uh, you those of you who have had your knees replaced and you've got that trick knee how does it how does it help you uh when your knee decides to go a different direction than the rest of your body wants to go? small example and maybe we should be grateful for these kinds of things because it helps us understand when the body of Christ and people in the church want to go rogue and go do their own thing and don't want to submit to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. I'm not the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. But Jesus Christ is the head of the church and that's to whom we must give an account on that final day and why I take my job quite seriously because I know I'm going to answer for him if I'm messing around with his word or if I'm abusing the office of pastor. It's a very serious thing. The body matters. We need one another, and without one another, we suffer the absence of the body. We suffer the absence of the gifts of all the one another's, of the corrections, and of all the encouragements. The false teachers that Paul was speaking about and warning about, as noted, uh, many times before, have placed their confidence in the flesh. As he says in, in Colossians 2:18 and 19, he says, By delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking their stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. It is what they could do for themselves to recommend themselves to God that the false teachers would stress. I don't need the church. I just need me. I got this covered. That's the attitude. I don't need the church. I can buy my my devotional book. I can find it on the computer. I can listen to good music. And I can sit at home in my pajamas and I can get this thing done. That's the American spirit and it stinks. It's not the church. It's not the church. And they think by doing these things that these things are of value against the flesh. And Paul says, they're not. They're not. Question again is, what is of value against the flesh? How do we spiritually grow? How do we mature? How do we grow in holiness and in likeness to Jesus Christ? Is it like the false teacher said, with beatings and denials and harsh treatments and rigorous lifestyles? No, no, no. Christ Himself is our righteousness. He alone is sufficient, as I have reminded you numerous times. We are to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ. And what he did on Calvary's cross, how he did for you what you could never, never do for yourself. He says in verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That being said, my friends, we are now in the process of becoming what we have been made in Jesus Christ. That's where we are. If you are a Christian this morning, you have not arrived. But you have tremendous hope. Because in Christ, you are as righteous as you will ever be. And you don't have to go home and saying, I'm still not good enough, I'm still not good enough. I'm not, you're not, but Christ is. You see, that's the hope. That's why I don't fall into despair, and that's why I'm not filled with pride. This knucklehead has a faithful Savior. And the same is true of you in Christ. We are at the same time justified, declared righteous, and sinful. We still sin. and The Lord is concerned that we walk in holiness, but it does not come to us the way the false teachers were saying. Rather, it comes by being united to Jesus Christ by faith. Some will think that if I just work harder, or if I just do Christian things instead of the worldly things that I used to do, that that this is all it takes. That that's all I'm interested in, the church. Hey, just stop acting like a pagan and just start acting like a Christian, I sanctified pagan. That's not what we're interested in. We're not interested in, and and if you're a Democrat, become a Republican. We're interested, or vice versa even. We're not interested in that. We're interested in seeing you Fall on your knees before Jesus Christ. Turn from your flesh and your confidence wherever it is placed and place it and look upon Jesus Christ. As Stephen Lawson said, what is the first step into the kingdom of God? It's humility. It's recognizing what you aren't and what you can't, but who can. And looking upon him. You are to be united to Jesus Christ that's where that's where life comes. That's where holiness begins. But about putting off the deeds of the flesh and putting on the virtues, the mind of Christ, because we belong to him, again, we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but we are not interested in just having you change one set of virtues for another set of virtues. Paul would say to them, and we've covered this, that beyond all these things we are to put on love, which is the bond that leads to Christian maturity and growth. When we go beyond our checklist to a Christ-like love, a sacrificial love, another focused love, we hold fast to one another and each is blessed um, and we don't fly apart, which is what would certainly be detrimental to us. To promote this love, he said in verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. My friends, Christ has secured our peace with God, and it is this peace which we now have in Christ with God the Father that is to determine and direct how I live and love you. Again, the body of Christ, the church, is central to these things it is central. I want you to see how important, then, friends, the body of Christ is to our growth and transformation into becoming who we are in Christ. Just listen to these four, or three verses, 14, 15, and 16. Listen to what he says. He speaks of the perfect bond of unity. In verse 14 and verse 15, he says, In which indeed you were called in one body. And then in verse 16, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. The body of Christ is. The church is essential. It is essential for the Christian maturing in the things of the Lord. The false teachers would isolate you from the church. The Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus would say, no, 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 no. Don't run away from the church. Embrace it. Love. Give thanks. That peace that you have now with God the Father, apply that towards one another. And as we mentioned last week, Thankfulness and be thankful, which seems like such an odd thing for him to put in there, but you consider it's starting to recount all the blessings of the Lord, We're recounting the blessings of of the body of Christ that the Lord has heaped upon him, and so instead of complaining about one another, which drives wedges, you start giving thanks, and we hold on to each other, and we are blessed because we're holding on to each other and we remain connected to Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Very important, Um, very important. Um, The body of Christ is essential to achieving this end of spiritual maturity, and people who isolate themselves from the body of Christ are not healthy, and it is suspect of even they would be, should be considered Christian. And I realize that sounds awfully harsh for me to say that, but as I'm reading the scriptures more and more, I'm seeing this, that the American spirit is gutting the Lord's church. And there are countless millions of people, countless millions of people who sit in their homes isolated from the church who are falsely assured that they're okay with the Lord. I'm telling you, you're on a path of damnation. I'm saying it and I'm sticking to it because that's what the scripture says. Listen to what the confession of faith says in chapter 25, paragraph 2. They say, The visible church consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. I'll take Jesus on my own terms. (laughs) No, you won't. Since when do you call the shots? Christ is king. You will take him on his terms, not your own. And it's prideful. It's prideful to say, I'll do it my way. Do you understand how demonic that attitude is? It's terribly demonic, and it's deceitful. And we smirk, and we laugh, and we think it's cute, and there are countless people dropping into hell because they believe that lie rather than the word of God. My friends, being thankful promotes peace, but what is it that promotes thankfulness? Have you ever heard anyone say this, I just don't have anything to be thankful for. Have you heard people say this? I just don't have anything to really be thankful for. My life is just so horrible. My life is just wretched. Um, What promotes thankfulness? This is where Paul is taking us today as we look at the first third of verse 16. Um, What promotes thankfulness in the heart of the believer? What is it that promotes peace in the church? It's thankfulness. What is it that promotes thankfulness? Verse 16 Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It is the word of Christ which promotes thankfulness. And here the apostle now exhorts the church. And we'll see this again next week as we continue in this this passage. Here he exhorts the church to let the word of Christ richly dwell within them, that the body would be edified and that God would be honored. Why is the church in the United States so weak? I can think of one primary reason. The scriptures. This old-fashioned, outdated, time-stamped book. You can't grow a church with this you got to stop reading so much Bible. you got to stop praying and singing those outdated songs with that historic truth. If you want to have a really happening church, some of you, many of you are older than I am. Answer me this. Since we've been doing it, how's that working? How's it working in our nation right now? What's the condition of the church since we bought into this new idea of church growth and evangelism where we don't mention the name of Jesus because we don't want to offend people and we don't talk about sin? How's that working? Our culture? Think we're doing pretty good? I'm sorry. I get disgusted. I hear these things. You're not the one saying it. (laughs) I am not disgusted with you, but I am I am um, fairly irate about these things. It is the word of God, you see, which promotes thankfulness and thankfulness, peace. He says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Notice, friends, what is not to dwell within you. Notice what he does not permit or what he does not encourage. If you would turn with me to James chapter 3, let me read for you verses 5 through 12. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. fresh you understand my friends it is from the heart of man that the mouth speaks we are not called to dwell upon ungodly untrue false things but upon the word of Christ I want you to notice that because of the things that we do tend to in the Lord's church and in our culture the things we focus upon we focus upon these things And it's those things that are dwelling inside many hearts, and so what comes out of the mouth? What comes out of the heart comes out of the mouth, and we end up destroying, not being thankful. We end up being unthankful and grumbling, and we end up destroying peace. We covered that uh, last week. We are not supposed to dwell upon ungodly, untrue, false things. Again, but upon the word of Christ. So what is the word of Christ that is supposed to dwell within us? What does this mean? By this he means the objective truth, the objective truth of Scripture, that which is not what you feel to be true. So again, there's much fodder for this in our culture right now. You hear people say, well, that's not my truth. That's your truth. We hear that, right? Let me me just say, if your truth doesn't line up with this truth, you're not holding to truth. We've got to become settled on that. Truth is not a moving target, right? It's it's fixed. It's fixed. He is speaking here of special revelation that proceeds from and concerns Christ. It is Christ's word. The sixty six books, The first 39 preparing us for Jesus Christ, the next 27 books telling us that he has come and that he has conquered. The scriptures reveal to us what we are to believe about God and what God requires of us. These are the things which the apostle commands uh, that we are to let richly dwell within us. It certainly applies to individuals. Um, and there is there is discussion about this among the different scholars. Is he speaking individually that this is the case, or is he saying corporately that this is the case? Well, it certainly applies to individuals. What kind of things do you dwell upon? What occupies your time and your energies mentally and emotionally? The context, I would argue, as did one commentator, uh, being that of the church, I would strongly, I believe strongly recommends An understanding of what the church body is focused upon, he says, let it richly dwell within you. So let's consider it first individually. What does this mean? If it, if the apostle is speaking of on an individual basis, what does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Um, it, It is to allow it to influence you for good. Matthew Henry said this. As a master who has the right to prescribe to and direct all under his roof, we must take our instructions and directions from the word of Christ. It's what the master says. It's not a servant in your house, in your brain, and in your heart. It's a master. It's not there to say uh, for you to say, well, I like this part, and I don't like that part, and I'll do this, but I don't want to do that. The word of God is a master over you. That's the way that Paul is telling us to think about the word of God. It's a master over us. It has taken up a, a dwelling in you, and it is supposed to direct how you think, how you feel. But again, in our culture, what, what is in the driver's seat? It's how we feel. It's what I feel to be true. That's true. Not what is true. It's what I feel to be true. And so we are living based on our feelings. That is one of the hardest things. Now listen, feelings are not a bad thing. They are a God-given thing. But I ask ask myself, if, if my wife were to make me a dinner, would I want a plate full of seasonings or would I want a plate of meat and potatoes? The seasonings are awfully good on top of the meat. But apart from the meat, they're vapid, they're empty, they don't help. If we could start thinking about truth, it's like steak. Truth is like steak and potatoes, it's substantive, it's rich, it's good, it's solid. Your feelings are like seasonings. And that's where you need to keep them, in the seasoning bottle. You can't have a diet of seasoning. You can't. They are supposed to dwell richly in us, not merely dwell. The word of God is to dwell richly within us. Uh, You remember back in the 80s when Trivial Pursuit came out, and then there was Bible Trivial Pursuit. (coughs) I think sometimes we would construe what Paul is saying as though he's encouraging us to get ready for a great game of Bible-trivial pursuit. That is not at all what he is talking about, but to richly dwell. Um, you know the Master's word, and you abide by it. You obey it. It directs your thoughts, informs your decisions. It calms your troubled breast and guides you in your choice of words. It tells you what your motives ought to be. My friends, this is this is the thing. This word is not optional for the christian we can't see it as something that's optionable that's debatable we can discuss what the words mean we can discuss syntax and 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 and, and, and theories of uh, applying the scriptures but we cannot and must not say this is an optional thing for us to do and this is the way many people treat the word of god Even today, and even in this church, this is what happens to us. I hear what the Lord's word says, but I don't like that part. Let me give you a very hardcore example. I know the Lord says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but I just don't like that part, and I don't want to take it seriously. i got to tell you. If you don't come to the dinner table, you're not going to eat. Is that point clear? You've got to quit being part-time Christians, and you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's what he's called you to. We read that this morning in John chapter 12. Too many people are, are playing games with the word of God, and you're going to get in trouble with the Lord for doing that, and you're going to hurt yourself. That's if, now the Apostle Paul is speaking individually, but it's very possible that he is speaking here corporately. How should we think of what he is saying if it's corporate? Um, he is saying that the word of Christ should dwell with, within us, in, in our corporate body, in our corporate gatherings. It should be at the center, the word of God, the word of Christ, should be at the center of what we do as a church, in our Sunday schools, in our worship, on our Wednesday nights, in our times together, in our studies, we don't just gather. We gather because we belong to Jesus Christ. This is why we read the Word. This is why I'm I'm dogged about reading the Scriptures during worship. This is why I'm dogged about us praying. This is why I'm dogged about what we sing, and that we're not going to sing fluffy 7-Eleven choruses. We're not doing it because they're not solid. They're not truthful. And we have to be very careful about that in which we are engaged. We read it, we preach it, we sing it, we pray it. And we do so, friends, because we belong as a church to Jesus Christ. He is the head. And to Jesus Christ, we continue to look, and to Jesus Christ, we must continue to point one another. Listen again, and it's in your bulletin, and it's been there for the past 11 years. And let us consider how to stimulate one another Do you hear that? Stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My friends, it is a bad sign when the modern church moves away from the objective truth of Jesus Christ. And of greater concern to me is when they say, the Spirit told me this, instead of saying... The Spirit of God tells us this. You see the difference? Friends, listen to me. The Spirit of God has given us his word. It is this word which directs us. Not the guy or the woman who tells us on television, the Spirit of God is speaking to me right now. You plant that seed of faith and God will reward you a hundredfold. That's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. And I hear this all the time. Spirit of God told me, I don't know what you think you're saying. I hope you're not saying what I think you're saying. I hope you're, you mean to say, the Spirit of God reminded me that in the Bible, he says, <laughs> that would be good. But when we start having messages from the Lord, he doesn't work that way. That's another sermon for another day, but you can read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and following, and he says, he spoke to us in former times in this way, but in these days he has spoken to us through what? Through his son. (coughs) Scripture's complete. But we hear this, and we've moved away from objective truth, the truth that is supposed to dwell richly in our hearts, and we have come to... Anything goes. I'm a Christian pastor, says a woman. I say, no, you're not. Because the word of God says this in, in, in 1 Timothy 2. Oh, but I don't like that part. No, it's the word of God. It's what God's word says. He has reason for saying what he says. Ladies, The Lord is not denigrating you. You have not been relegated to second-class citizens. That is not what the Lord has done. He is perfect. He is wise in his judgments, and he has a reason for doing what he has done. Beware. Beware of what's coming in our culture and how people are buying into this stuff. It's gutting the church. It is. It's gutting the church. We are supposed to have this word dwelling richly in us. It is a bad sign that these things are are taking place. So if it were to be um, dwelling within us richly, how does one let it dwell within us richly? And I alluded to this a little bit ago. We live in an age of information, of books and newspaper, of television and computers, smartphones and internet, radio. There is no end to the exposure to the information being foisted upon us, and much of it is because of our own doing that we foisted we allow it to be foisted upon us. Some of the information out there is very good, but far more of it is very wicked and untrue. And it's working on us to shape us, to inform us, to conform us into the world's image our values, our attitudes, are working these things are working to enslave us. Let me give you an example that I know you'll agree with is the transgender community. Look how this is being pushed in our culture. And what's its goal? I'll tell you what it is. Its, its, its goal is to enslave our children and their perversities by having them be exposed to these ideas and agenda. Ideas have consequences. And the world is getting out their ideas, and if you're not on your guard, they will sway you, um, and that uh, persuasion ends up coming into the church. In fact, how many of you have seen those videos going around on Twitter or on Facebook? I don't know where it was, where it shows a minister standing in a church and he's got his clerical um, scarf on, it's multicolored and he says Jesus Christ was transgender and lightning struck the church at that very precise moment and he said we're not being judged these things are infiltrating the church friends and they're doing this in the name of Love and it's not love. They're hurting our children. And this idea is being promoted in our culture and it's infiltrating the church. And Christians who are not steeped in this, but are listening to The View or listening to Oprah or some other godless pagan on television, and they're letting them, these info heads, shape our worldview. That should not be shaping our worldview. This should be shaping our worldview. Not the, not the majority of culture. Listen, if 99, if 100% of the culture said transgenderism is godly, they'd all be wrong because the Almighty said it's wrong. And that settles it. That settles it. Paul writes in Romans 12, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewing of your mind, how does that come about? Jesus prayed in John 17:17, 17, 17, uh, praying, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This being the case, my friends, we should pray that we would long to be in the word of God, that we would desire it when we come to worship, that we would hear it taught in our Sunday schools, and that we would exhort one another with the word of God the body of Christ, the word of God, the importance of the truth of scripture. We should encourage it in our homes, in our private lives, between spouses and parents with children. You start to see this everywhere and you start working on these passages. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when they sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And it was for this reason, my friends, so that they would not forget the Lord and lose themselves amidst the idols of the world. It's no different today. No different today. We, we read the word because we can. We read the word because we must because it is our lifeline it is what keeps us directed in the right way we heed the word we handle the word with faithfulness we hide the word in our hearts the psalmist wrote your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you we hold it forth we hold to it fast Uh, we hold it forth to others and we hold fast to it ourselves we drink it in we are washed in it. We are absorbed by it. It makes us. It makes us what we are to be and it gives to us what we need in order to build one another up rather than to tear one another down. Therefore, my friends, do you have a Bible? Read it. If you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, Get one. If you can't, let me know. I will get you one. A big, thick, heavy study Bible, I will get you. In all seriousness, get away from electronic Bibles. It's too easy to manipulate those texts. And who knows if some woke nut job gets in there and starts. dinking around with software and changes the word of God. You think it can happen? I was reading a popular Bible app on my phone or iPad one day, and and I noticed as I was reading it, I said, I think they're missing a word. So I went and got my Bible, my paper, one that doesn't ever crash unless I drop it. I read it, I compared it, and I said, they're missing a word here. And it dawned on me. Electronics are awfully convenient until you don't have electricity And they're too easy to hack. I'm telling you, just get a good, solid Bible and read it. If you hate reading, I'll give you this. Listen to the Bible being read. Hand your wife or your husband a Bible and say, hey, let's read. (laughs) You read. I'll listen. And again, we're not doing this, friends. And I I think I've made a mistake in, in my life and that and uh, my wife has been very patient with me you know you're always trying to not be like someone else i don't want to be like those people so i'm going to make a mistake and go this opposite direction oh you're one of those fundamentalists that thinks you have to read your bible um i believe you should read your bible like every day because you get to And I'm tired of being always thought of as, oh, you're going to be one of those people. Nope, I'm just going to be a Christian minister telling the Christian congregation that they ought to be filled with the word of Christ, their king. And that's what should be shaping your thoughts, and that should be what is shaping your attitudes and informing your behavior towards other people and towards this world. You should be doing it because it's important to your soul. And it's important to the souls of everyone else in this place. Because if you have nothing to say, you have nothing to offer them. But if you have the word of God richly dwelling within you, then you have something upon which to build and to bless somebody else with. Get your children Bibles. This is practical application time. Get your children Bibles. I use the New American Standard version of the scriptures, and I've been using it for 30 years. I've tried other translations, and it's like putting on a pair of shoes from somebody else's closet. feels funny. (laughs) Um, But it's an excellent translation. I would encourage, if you don't like the NAS, get the ESV, the English Standard Version, another very excellent translation. If you don't like those, get the old NIV from 1984 before they started doing gender-neutral nonsense. Stay away from modern versions and contemporary versions. They're easy to read, but they're not as accurate. Be careful. And if you're going to get a study Bible, please don't buy a Ryrie study Bible. It's dispensationalism. Buy a Reformation study Bible. See me and I'll let you know where you can find those. And please get a physical hard copy of the Bible. And once we get those Bibles, don't let them become coffee holders. But teach your children and encourage them to read the Bible for themselves. And the best way to do that, to encourage someone else to do it, is to practice it yourself, Mom. Practice it yourself, Dad. Get alone with the Lord and read his word. And fellowship with him in prayer. Fight the urge to sit in front of the computer and the TV checking news headlines. Get up a little earlier, grab your coffee and go to your desk, go to your chair. Or go to bed a little bit earlier and read your Bible. Read your Bible at the dinner table. Find some time, some place where you can expose your children to the word of God and to the thoughts of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. My friends, understand the world, the flesh, the devil will do all that it can to convince you that encouraging um, and striving to be steeped in the word of Christ, that having it dwell in you richly, they will have you say, How silly, how immature, how unimportant, and why? So that they can lead you astray from the Lord Himself. And the more we are led astray from the Lord, What happens to the body of Christ? You see, I know I'm the minister of this church. But do you understand that you're all called to minister in this church? You think I'm the minister because I stand up here and preach. I'm looking at you and saying you're also ministers. You go places, you meet people, you talk to people in private. And what are you saying to them? What are you giving them? nonsense from the world? Or are you giving them the truth of scripture and bouncing it off of them and encouraging and lifting their eyes to Jesus Christ, helping them not to stress, to come to uh, be overwhelmed? What do we bring? That's our, that's our calling. But the Lord, the Lord gives us his word that we may know him, may know his kindness and chief of all that we may know giving of his son Jesus Christ on our behalf that knowing him and knowing his salvation we may know life and that we may be thankful and that we may encourage one another so that the church is strengthened so that we mature in the Lord and together we all arrive at the gates of heaven the church is important And your part in the church is vastly important. You are not to be just consumers, but those who follow Christ. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for your word and pray your blessing upon it, that you would help these mangled words be effective for your kingdom. We pray that you would encourage your saints. And that we would pick up and read our Bibles. What a wonderful blessing we have. We know that this hasn't always been the case. And Father, we know that it may not always be the case, um, the way things are going. But we thank it because in its pages we see your beauty and we see your kindness to the sinner. I pray, Lord, that you would create in us a hunger that won't be satisfied until we stand and see you face to face. Bless your word in our hearts, we pray. Bless your word in this place, and may it dwell richly within us. I humbly ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.